Welcome back to the Life Endurance Podcast. My name is Austin Shadel, and I'm excited to bring to you my first guest of 2024, who is a fellow triathlete, runner, and a physical therapist. We dig a little bit into our paths with endurance sports, as well as some great topics along the lines of physical therapy and running. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. Today, I'm joined by Zach Kaufman. He's a husband, a father, a dog dad, athlete, and a physical therapist. His professional passion is working with runners and creating sustainable solutions for injuries that allow those runners to continue their passion and chase those PRs. How are we doing today, man? Doing great. Thanks for the intro. (laughs) Solid. Solid. Well refined. Here Here to hype it up. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been good to catch up. Uh, so we met back at good old Iowa State on the triathlon club, and we also both uh, completed our first half Ironmans together at the same race. So that's right, good old Delaware, Ohio. Yeah, special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, man, it's it's crazy. It feels feels like both yesterday and like forever ago. <laughs> Yeah, I can remember it so vividly, yet feels like a lifetime. Right. Since that happened. I know we've both we've both lived in a few different spots since then and I know so you're you're back in Iowa now in Des Moines area. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yeah, we were we are in a town called Adel, just right outside of Des Moines, but I'm working in Waukee. Awesome. Dude, Waukee has exploded. I mean, I I grew up in the area, and let's see, I'm trying to think of, so there's the, I don't know if it's like the, the Coca-Cola kind of building that's like more on the, what would that be, eastern edge of Waukee, and then everything past that was just farmland until you hit like Sugar Creek Golf Course. Yeah. <laughs> like there was, n- yeah. there was nothing out there. <laughs> They're one of the few Des Moines suburbs that's blessed to not be landlocked. Mm-hmm. So they just, they're popping off. And I think their school district, they set up really, really well. Oh, they got. So it's it a... supports that. Okay. Makes young families <clears throat> want to move there. And it's it's just popping off. You're so right. It's growing like a weed. Yeah. You see a new, you see a new like mega apartment complex just being built seemingly every other week it's mm-hmm. nuts yeah i remember every every time i'd come back from ames yeah it was like another just 100 yards had been developed or something down hickman there and then yeah it was i used to was on a couple of uh public school jobs in urbandale and i remember hearing about the like massive new high schools and all the stuff going out in waukee i was like whoo yeah definitely yeah. So Waukee, they got their second high school just three years ago, mm-hmm. yep. and they are already planning on their next high school. Yeah, wow. In the next couple of years. That's that's wild. Because I, I mean, I went to maybe you'd call it a medium sized high school, but I don't know. We had three like three fifty per graduating class, and any any of these newer schools campus would just absolutely dwarf what we were in that's yeah 
Yeah, I had something similar to that when I was living here in Iowa, and then I finished off high school actually out in a Las Vegas supper, suburb called uh, Henderson. Oh, and that yeah, was like I forgot double. about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bounced around a little bit, but keep finding Iowa is the home base. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's damn homey here. It's homey. Yeah, if it, if it works for you, it's it's a good spot. It's if if it works for you. <laughs> We also Sounds have been like... spoiled this winter. It has been yeah. super mild other than maybe two weeks of just a brutal beating of snow and cold. It has been like today was 50 degrees and sunny. Yeah. Went out and ran just this long sleeve and running shorts. It was great. Yeah, that's wild because, man, this, this month has flown by. And I know like the pattern I was seeing before I left Iowa was that seemed like winter kind of hit later and later, but this is like really late. So yeah, this uh, is yeah. Unheard of almost in my books. It's this is like climate change is real type of winter. <laughs> yeah. I, Iowa is like, I feel like the just center of all the climate in North America, you can get really hot, you can get really cold. So we just, you really never know what's about to happen. Too true. Too true. Well, yeah, so, yeah, it's been good, good catching up. Um, <clears throat> so you've made it through school, made it into the, the PT world. So I think you've got, what, maybe a couple years of experience or whatever out and about now. Yep, yep. I've got a couple years under my belt here as a PT. I've worked both in, in Texas in a town called College Station, and then Autumn, my wife, and I moved back here in april of 23 and i've been working here for now almost a year in waukee so it's been good definitely learned a lot throughout that process and i keep trying to refine every day it's uh it's kind of the beauty of physical therapy is it's an ever-evolving field so yeah you can't just stay stagnant or you'll be left behind yeah, yeah. I've, I think I, now I'm remembering that I've I've also had another episode with a physical therapist in the Des Moines area, and getting to know her and the business, it's yeah, it's fascinating how much PT can apply to just everything health related. Like def, it's definitely a very uh, I don't know underrated or not understood enough form of treatment out there. That yeah. A lot, a lot of people could be benefiting from it that have no idea that's probably what they need. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some statistics as high as like 90% of folks with musculoskeletal injury just don't go to PT. So I'm probably one of them. <laughs> right, because people are like, oh, I can deal with it or it's not that serious. Or some people just truly don't know that PT is an option mm -hmm. and for those people. Like we got to expand our reach hopefully and make it, make it known that we are here for them. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to just put the, I like to call them like band-aid fixes on stuff, you know, just take a pill or I, I don't know what else they're throwing at people these days since PT is definitely more of a, a little more of a process, but definitely in the long term, a much better, much better option. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of patients who they go to an orthopedic doc because that's where they get sent first. Mm. And 
potentially are even told like you might need surgery and this is like the first time that they've even consulted a specialist about their issue so right they believe them and and some folks just get a surgery that they probably could have avoided completely had they just tried some conservative care and stuck to some consistent action to try and better their their fitness their strength their uh mobility but we yeah. could get on that tangent all darn day. <laughs> right. And then if you have surgery, you're just going to probably end up on PT after anyway. So That's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and another problem is folks, they don't necessarily get educated on what the, the post-op recovery process is going to look like. So mm-hmm. a lot of folks will have it in their mind that they're going to get this surgery and they're going to be jumping around and doing everything they want to be doing pretty immediately afterwards. And mm-hmm. the vast majority of the time, that's just not the case. Yeah. Especially if you're older too. True. True. Yeah. And it, it really depends on the surgery, but you're usually not just pain-free and completely limitless the day you hop off the table. There's mm-hmm. definitely a, a gradual process back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, this, this last year, I definitely definitely put my body through the paces, and I'm, I'm trying to get into a little more preventative maintenance mindset. Because while I'm also just holding out hope that medical advancements keep continuing as they have, so by the time we're 50, you know, a knee replacement is maybe something a little, <laughs> a little quicker, but ho- hopefully I can, yeah. uh, we can avoid that in the future. Just do a quick punch of a... <laughs> A bionic knee, right? You can just mm-hmm. show up to the clinic and they'll, who even knows, they'll give you a shot and it just turns your knee a whole new, whole new uh, set of tissue. That'd be something. Yep. Yep. One day, but I'm sure, I'm sure your career path's still uh, plenty safe for, <laughs> for the meantime. Yeah. You know, for the knees, I think the more realistic would be that we can find some components or some sort of process for the surgery that just makes them last longer so you don't have to get them replaced twice in your lifetime mm-hmm. if you get them earlier yeah for sure oh so yeah this is exciting i'm the first first guest of the year since i've kind of gotten back into the podcast and finally want to hey, yeah i finally want to you know bring in people also in the endurance world so maybe i'd ask what what's your like what's the history for you with like endurance sports running? Uh, I know obviously we said we eventually got into triathlons in college, but uh, yeah. When, when did the endurance journey start for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I got started in middle school. I played a bunch of different sports and I mm-hmm. was not very coordinated or excelling at any of them. Mm-hmm. Tennis is the one I kind of find, found the most resonance with. So I thought going into high school, I was just going to play tennis. And there was this opportunity for uh, like a summer training camp Mm -hmm. to build your fitness. And I'm like, I'm going to do this so I can be fit as hell for tennis. (laughs) And the summer training camp was apparently based from the cross-country program. So it was really just cross-country summer training plus strengthening in the weight room. Yeah, and I'm sure that caught a lot of people off guard. I never looked back though. I, uh, that first two mile run that they threw me on felt like pure hell and it just dragged on. But 
it got better and better. And I ran all throughout high school, cross country and track, and then did some running races and plenty of triathlons in college. And then I've been doing a few triathlons here or there, but mostly okay. running road races and a couple like mud runs or trail races every now and then since then. Yeah. I've always meant to do one of those like Spartan or mud run races. And I just, I just always forgot to go find and sign up for one. Now, obviously I run on hey. trails all the time, but yeah. So one, oh, one day I'll still have to do that. <laughs> There's uh there's one here not too far from the Des Moines area. It's called the Gladiator Challenge. Okay. I think it's a seven mile race. And it's got a couple obstacles, so it's not like the Spartan brand, but it's yeah. similar. Nice. I haven't done it myself, but I've heard good things. Right on. Yeah, so getting into triathlons, what was kind of the I mean, going from just running to adding two more you know disciplines into the same deal what what kind of pulled you into that that's a very good question i uh i had a close buddy i was trying to think like what did bring me that way (laughs) (laughs) it's so much more complicated and and it feels like it's more time commitment but i had a close buddy who he had dabbled on the triathlon club he was a year ahead of me at iowa state so he was okay. like, hey, come check this out. You can do a couple practices without having to worry about being a member. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just train together and, and have a good time. I'm like, yeah, I'm on board. So I went and I did a couple practices and it's like, this is kind of a fun new challenge. It's different than what I'm used to. The group was super accepting and nice, kind of like you see with a ton of endurance athletes. They're just all super genuine, kind people. Mm-hmm. and i just bought in i was there for it nice what was were there any big i know like getting into the biking or swimming side either of those when you first get in were like oh man because i like i an example for me out here uh obviously i like came out here i was I'm still in really good shape but mountain biking I felt like I was almost at like square one because it's like, you know, going uphill, the kind of torque you need to make to get over like a rock or something is just not not the kind of muscles you use to just train for a very flat Ironman. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if yeah, you had any so... anything kind of like that when you started, you know, swimming and mixing in the biking. I feel like swimming is most people's nemesis and it was challenging for me, but I had done, I had a history of swim team when I was younger, like before the high school years. So it was not completely foreign, but I had never actually biked on a road bike before. Mm -hmm. So those narrow tires were just like a nightmare for me to navigate. Hmm. Initially, I was so off balance and, like nervous as hell to bump into people on those group rides where you ride how to to clip the feet in (laughs) yeah well we the traffic club was super handy they had bikes you could just kind of they would Mm. loan them out true to folks who didn't have bikes so i the only bike that i had was a crappy mountain bike so i rode a club bike for probably one or two years before i ever ended up buying my own Mm mm-hmm 
And those weren't clipping, but they were like the basket pedals. Yeah, yeah. But even just, even just the narrowness of the tire and then having to ride close to folks, I was like, Ugh, this is just nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. I crashed my bike the first day of triathlon practice. Yeah, we've all been there. All been there. <laughs> and then you get on a TT bike and you're like, Oof, oh, I really can't navigate this thing. It's like oh, all man. body leaning can't really handle it nearly as easily yeah yeah when i when i got back into uh training after i basically took a year off from anything physical working a crazy job uh, and i officially started training for my iron man yeah the tt bike i got one and i could not hold a tt position for literally more than two minutes straight let alone the yeah. you know six hours it takes you to bike an Ironman. But then I went some and, those, yeah. Some of those aero positions are just brutal. I <laughs> I still physically have no idea how people's bodies function when their like head is like below their rear end. Mine, I, I, I went and got professionally fitted, which definitely recommend to anybody get, that wants to do an Ironman distance, go get professionally fitted. But even then, I still had to just spend hours and hours slowly adapting my body to just, yeah, I don't know, handle that that position. is is pretty wild. And I think I had like uh, spacers, you know, like good three or four inch risers on my arrow arrow bars just to help me, you know, cause it, more arrows better. But at the same time, if you're miserable, that's that's worse. So. Right. If you can't fill up your lungs, then what's the point of being more mm-hmm. aero? You're going to lose energy output in the long run anyways. I was a similar way. Like aero position never felt truly comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was just the bike that I had. Um, didn't fit me perfectly. I did go and get a couple different bike fits and it got better, but mm. I feel like it was never fully perfect yeah and maybe it needed a different set of arrow bars or needed to suck it up and stop being such a wuss <laughs> but yeah there's, there's a little mix of forcing cool. yourself into it but and i guess this would be a good segue there's you know there's a lot so there are a lot of things you can do to help yourself and we we're talking about biking but running i think is definitely something that people really underestimate how much good form and uh, knowing what like kind of cadence to mix in with that, how how much that can help, especially on the energy com on conservation side. Um, so I just want like <clears throat> switching into running and then kind of pulling on your PT expertise. Uh, maybe what what are some of the biggest things you've seen or benefits or downfalls, uh, based around you know, running form and getting that expert help that you've seen. I don't know. Take, take that tee up however you want. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I typically, this is maybe counterintuitive to what some people will say, but the research has shown us that if you are running comfortably and you're not feeling pain or injury, you're mostly just fine. There's okay. a pretty wide range of acceptable running form and there's a couple exceptions for that like if we're a really really heavy heel striker Mm -hmm. where we have a high high angle 
of our of our heel and to toe from that flat of the ground, then we might be hopping up into a little bit higher risk for injury. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with a couple knee angles and a few things like hip drop. But for the most part, I'm not going to change a runner's form too, too much if they're not complaining of pain. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that we can play around with training-wise to try and kind of maximize that running economy. And there's a few things like step rate manipulation that we can try out to make mm-hmm. them feel a little bit more springy or like they have some of that en- energy at the end of their long run. Yeah. But Something I was taught and I've stuck with is like, the uh, I don't know what the number was told for me to aim something like 90 steps per minute, like per foot is kind of the ideal cadence. I don't know if, if that's a number you've, you'd also back up, but it, I would say overall, most people probably, underestimate how kind of rapid your steps should be like when I'm running slow the only thing that changes is the length of my stride the number of steps per minute stays roughly the same definitely yeah I think that's where a lot of people like you said they you hear like stride out stride out and everyone's thinking Mm -hmm. like I need to take the longest possible step that I can Mm-hmm. I think stride out is probably more beneficial of a term to use if you're really trying to pick up speed. Yeah. So the two main ways we're going to be able to gain speed is increasing how long our step is and increasing how many steps we're taking per minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we're falling back to avoiding injury, if we're only taking a small amount of steps per minute relative to kind of what the average is or what the recommendation is, then we have more force coming up per step and that mm-hmm. force might be further displaced away from our body, which could then be creating a couple issues at our tendons, muscles, bones that we can't quite recover from compared mm-hmm. to if we're taking a couple more steps a minute. Yeah. Yeah. As to transition that. So what as, so your, your goal is to really dig in, uh, professionally is to really hopefully dig in and work with a lot of runners. I know that's been your focus through your hobbies. And then now you can do that professionally. What, what are some of the primary injuries and issues that you see in runners that, uh, you know, you would be able to help people out with, but I guess wondering what the most common injuries you, you see with runners are. Yeah, yeah. So some of the most common ones we have coming in the door are going to be bone stress injuries. So stress fractures Mm -hmm. or stress reactions, which would just be kind of a smaller intensity injury of the bone heading towards a stress fracture. Mm -hmm. Um, Tendinopathies, so some sort of irritation, inflammation, or, or disorder of that tendon, which is the structure connecting our muscle to our bone. Um, and then on top of that, we see a lot of IT band, which is just that outside of your knee going mm-hmm. up towards the hip. Usually folks feel it at the knee though. And then patellofemoral pain. So just pain right around your kneecap, which that one is the one that folks will call runner's knee is just that pain right about that around that kneecap. Mm-hmm. 
So those those four groups are usually what I'm seeing the most. Okay. Yeah, I've I've been pretty fortunate. I don't think I've ever really had much on the stress fracture side. I think I might have maybe had a bit of that uh, when I went from like zero to trying to lose a bunch of weight and get back into Ironman training. But otherwise, I've been pretty fortunate with that. But I also think, and I'm curious, I want to follow up this with the question of how how best do you think people can avoid that issue? Because I've done hundreds, thousands of miles, and I've also I also spent, I don't know, a good four years in basically minimalist shoes, and I've never had an issue with that. So I think personally... Uh, main difference I had between a lot of runners is I've done a lot of resistance training. So in my my mind, I'm thinking that probably, you know, has something to do with maybe better bone density. Uh, so I was wondering what, what, what are your, what's your advice to people to help avoid getting stress fractures? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors that are going to play in, but you're, you're spot on with one of the starting points, which is, we need to be doing a couple types of exercise outside of just running. Mm-hmm. So our, our kind of latest evidence and research has been telling us that running as far as bone building activities is kind of baseline neutral. So it's not really okay. going to build up our bones and it's not necessarily going to break down our bones. So we need to add in a couple activities or exercises that are higher up than that neutral point that are stress that bone a bit more in order to build those stronger, more resilient bones to injury. So one of those things is heavy resistance, which is going to be stressing that bone by putting a lot of force through our muscles, therefore pulling on the bone. And then another of those would be impact. So I'm talking plyometrics, jumping, that type of activity. So a combination of those can be some really good adjuncts from the exercise standpoint to try and avoid bone injury. Mm-hmm. And then we can get into all kinds of different aspects as far as nutrition, recovery, sleep that we can talk about. Um, yeah. A lot of times when I'm seeing an athlete who does come in with a bone stress injury, I'm trying to get some sort of consult with a dietitian just because it's so, so important to make sure that we're taking in the right macro and micronutrients and that our body's maintaining good vitamin D levels so mm-hmm. we can absorb those nutrients so that our bones are staying healthy. Awesome. Yeah, and I uh, on the recovery side, I know I pinned a, uh, I think, post you had kind of saying how uh, rest, just simply resting doesn't necessarily equal recovery. So I don't know if you maybe want to add on to that and kind of what you meant uh, with that headline. Yeah, yeah. So with that post, I was kind of getting at the point that I'm not sure exactly what most people are doing as far as injuries, but when I'm when I'm working with runners and myself included, I'm mm-hmm. guilty of this sometimes. We get something that hurts, and naturally our human instinct is we got to stay off of it we got to rest and we got to just avoid strenuous activities for a while, which in the really, really acute phase when that, that pain or injury just happened is not the worst idea ever. 
But if we stretch that out over weeks and months, we're probably going to get to a point where pain is no longer there. We're not feeling it because those tissues have, have healed a little. But in that time of, of resting, we've been deloading. So we haven't necessarily been building mm -hmm. the tissues of our body back towards those goals that we're trying to have. So then a lot of runners end up in this negative feedback loop where they get hurt, they rest, it feels better, they start running, it hurts, so on and so forth. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I I had a little experience. I'm somewhat the opposite, whereas I, I'll do – I did a really – difficult race and you know be, put my body through its paces and then a week later somehow ended up doing a, a 12 mile hike up a 14er and definitely it, it, it was yeah not the smartest idea so I, I i relate to trying to find that middle ground between how, how to rest and then i think i've always appreciated yeah still at least keeping the body moving you know get out walk the dog or uh I don't know, something like the stationary bike, you know, good, keep the blood flowing, but low impact on the body. Yeah. Yeah. And then even going back to a couple of those exercises we talked about just a few minutes ago for our bone health, right? Mm. Try and throw in some weightlifting. Usually that feels fine, even if impact isn't feeling good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if 20 minutes of running isn't feel good feeling good we can do some sort of walk run or we could do a couple double leg plyometrics that might be some amount of impact to try and build us up towards those goals but not so so much that we're pushing back into pain mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah and i know that's another thing you've posted about is uh tips on how to judge your level of pain and when to keep moving uh, I don't know if you want to break down kind of your scale or the, the advice you give people when they, which I, I probably need to listen more than most on what to do when you feel certain kind of pain, when to actually stop, when to keep moving. Yeah. 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 So I will definitely just put the asterisks before I even say any of this, it's going to depend on the injury. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would definitely recommend that if you've got some pain that's just lingering around, you can't get rid of it, I'd go see a trusted healthcare practitioner about it or go see someone that, that knows a thing or two about running about it because some of these injuries can get a little bit dangerous mm -hmm. if they're not treated or seen. Um, but a baseline guide that I'll use for folks sometimes is, is just a stoplight. And then we're using our subjective pain scale zero to 10 to help determine which light we're at. Mm -hmm. So green means no, usually pretty good to keep going on. Sometimes if we're between like a zero to a three out of 10 pain, usually that means you should be in the clear, keep going on, hitting those runs. If you feel like it doesn't resolve after a couple of days of that tactic, then maybe we need to be a little bit more choosy about that pushing through pain, but a lot of folks will be on one end of the spectrum of the other where either are willing to push through any amount of pain or they feel any pain and they're stopping. So then we can get to those, those other two lights, right. That are a little bit more cautionary. 
I would say yellow light means tread tread carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, that three to five out of ten pain on your subjective pain scale. So if it's hurting a little bit, maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. then we uh, we might need to do some form of modification. So that might mean we're doing a walk run instead of just a run. That might mean that we're dialing back on those higher intensity runs like our intervals or like our fartleks exercises like that for a week or so to kind of deload. Um, and last but not least, then we've got the the sign that it's probably time to dial back or modify or even completely stop that activity, which would be the red light. I would usually tell people anything that's above a five out of 10 pain, we need to just be pretty cautious and not try to push through that because that's when we can start making some pretty major compensations in our gait and we might be causing more pain or injury than good at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, that word gait. So what, just for people that, you know, maybe haven't spent so much time thinking about physiology and running. Uh, so what do you mean by somebody's gait when they're running? Yeah, yeah. So so gait, I suppose that's a little bit of a, a shortened term. Usually I put the word gait mechanics together and okay. that might start to make more sense for folks. But it's it's what our body looks like at our different joints during our, our run or during our walk typically focusing on the lower legs, but also a little bit above the trunk or above the hips as well. Um, we can do something called a gait analysis, potentially where we're, we're getting a video of you and, and we're checking out joint angles during different pieces of that gate. So when you land, when your foot is underneath your center of mass, when you're pushing off and so forth. But, Mm-hmm. Typically, if I'm trying to summarize gait, it's just what our legs are looking like at different cycles of our stride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a, a variety of that out there. Yeah, yeah, and there's a variety of it that is that's completely safe and and healthy. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple things that we get maybe a little bit more worried on, but I wouldn't. Uh, try to make anybody fearful for a specific type of gate just right off the bat, especially if they're feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I have a friend or somebody that's wants to get into running, like my, my first initial push is push is to just get them running. Like, yeah, just, just, just moving, get, get some miles in. And then if they stick with it, then I start trying to kind of sprinkle in some, some running form especially on the, you know, just efficiency side. Cause if they, if they're kind of plateauing that, that can be a big thing just to help them, you know, be able to reach that longer distance without feeling tired or get faster. Um, yeah. so, so it's for a the, lot of people, yeah. a lot of people when they first start running or even long-term runners just are, uh, walking is like a dirty word. Right. And, Really, it's not the case at all. It's just the lower intensity of running. Mm. So if you have to intermix a little bit of walking when you're first getting started out, one, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And two, that might help you stay more consistent and make it seem a little less miserable, right? Because like I said, mm. back back in high school cross country, 
that first two miles was awful and i definitely walked and it still sucked so we don't want running to suck we want running to be something that's enjoyable and you can maintain throughout the lifespan so you got to sprinkle in a little bit of walking sprinkling a little bit of walking no one's gonna look twice yeah that's that's a good a good point and yeah I i always say like running is running is awful until you get kind of good at it and then that's when it like really can get a little addicting or you start to enjoy it and people it's easy to see how people just don't understand how anybody would enjoy running because until you get to that point where maybe you can run a couple miles without thinking about it yeah it's it it is just kind of awful <laughs> yeah but, yeah and a lot of your average joes especially nowadays with more and more like sitting at your desk office style jobs mm-hmm. their their aerobic conditioning is so low Mm-hmm. So then you get out and try and run and it's brutal. Your heart's beating through your chest and you're huffing and puffing. And it's like, why the hell does anyone like this? Yeah. But you got like anything in life. You got to build into that. Mm-hmm. You can't just go run a 5k the first time you go out and run unless you're just a talented individual. Yeah. Or you're oh, willing I, to put through some I, health. <laughs> I, I had a friend growing up. He's the, real real skinny type you know tall 120 pounds soaking wet and all his life he probably could have woken him up in the middle of the night and he could just go run a half marathon so there's there's some people out there like that and then there's people like me where i did distance track in middle school and i would do the the 1500 just because it was like the first event so you wouldn't have to stick around all day and you know now i'm running ultra marathons but back then i was literally coming in last every every race on the mile, even to the point one time they uh, didn't realize I was still out on the track and were setting up hurdles oh, in the final hundred. <laughs> so I finished the race having to run around uh, a bunch of hurdles they were setting up for the next event. Oh my goodness. But yeah, one I benefit, you get the, you get the biggest crowd <laughs> cheering for you when you're in last. So I had that going for That's me. Right. <laughs> I had a buddy who, we we kind of guilted he was an old roommate and we guilted him into joining the run club at iowa state and the one race that he agreed to to go do was this was the roy griak invitational Hmm. which any any uh like minnesota runners are just gonna pop a light bulb into their head and know what we're chatting about but okay it's this really challenging course that they run on a golf course Hmm. and it's this each hole of the golf course is almost like a little valley. Yeah, and they have you running across the holes of the golf course. So it's just hill after hill after hill. <laughs> and he ended up finishing while they were playing the national anthem for the beginning of the next race. <laughs> and he, he's got his hand over his chest. He's like, <laughs> just he was dying. just it. But he did it. He did the thing. That's funny. Yeah, me, me and my buddy... Uh, the way we like to put it, since we're both into trail running, which we kind of call it like the dark side, because it's it's I, it's so much more just whatever, go with the flow. Like no nobody, you're not really looking at your pace in trail running because it's all more about distance. But we like to say we we just gaslight people into believing they can do it, and just to get them out there, <laughs> and then next thing you know they're doing it. But sure, yeah, sure, they're five miles in, and it's like well. I can't go back now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
I got to work on finding a couple more trails around this area. That's something that I would like to get into. Yeah. I've got a cross. I've got an old country like gravel road that I've been kind of mm-hmm. getting that like trail run fix in with, but it's, it's not quite it's, the same. It's tricky in that, in that area. I, I was being driven insane on my long rides for the Ironman. Cause I just would hit that, uh, that trail that just goes out towards, Oh, now I'm kind of, you know, that, that one that's pretty nice and just flat just off the other side of Hickman that just goes out. Oh yeah. Until, uh, River Valley trail. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I, I don't know how many hundreds of miles I did just back and forth. Uh, Straight out towards Redfield. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I had no I desire had to touch a road bike trip. after all that. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> That's a lot of just straight shooting, mm-hmm. monotonous riding. Yeah. But it's nice, you know, it's got some trees around it, and it's like a little bit of a nature fix, especially in the concrete jungle of actual yeah. inner city. Oh, yeah. In, in terms of Midwest, yeah, it's definitely the, the nice kind of scenery for it. And, yeah, it's a nice, well-kept trail, except when it's covered in grasshoppers. I remember... Yeah. <laughs> a few times it's just like oh they're just smashing into you for miles yeah <laughs> yeah or the, the gnats are really bad and you're like eating mm-hmm. them and getting them in your eye and they're you get done with your ride and they're just all over your body yeah that's iowa it's part of the joy <laughs> totally totally <laughs> yeah i guess in in terms i'd maybe i get be interested to get your take because i'm I'm a little intense, uh, when I, when I'm like recommending money or not money, uh, recommending running and stuff, but I'm curious on what your take would be when I, I like to say, I, I think that everybody that, you know, doesn't have maybe some really impactful disability should try to run a half marathon at some point in their life. To, to me, I think that's something, you know, anybody, if they just put their mind to it could do. And I don't know. I'm curious on what your, what your thoughts of that statement are. Sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I think running is it's awesome and mm. we're both pretty biased of course, because we enjoy it. But yeah. I think a half marathon, like worst case scenario takes you three or four hours, your walk running it. Mm-hmm. But I think the process of building up towards that can definitely one make you appreciate running mm-hmm. and two get you pretty fit, which is never a bad thing, right? We're all trying to live longer, healthier lives. That's one way to try to motivate that. Yeah, absolutely. I, for me, I went from in high school within a year, I went from chubby golfer to marathon runner. And I, I have this crazy comparison picture where I also grew like five inches, but I'm wearing like the pants from a year before. And there's just, you know, like that much of a, like a five, six inch gap between the edge of the pants. And then where I actually start as a person. So I, that's another, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just think it, it can really change your life in a, in a few ways F- physically. Um, and I'd probably follow this up with for having the more medical expert on what um, some benefits are. But on top of the health benefits, the the sense of accomplishment and amount of 
uh, confidence you can build in yourself from doing something difficult like a half marathon. And it's when you're in the fitness world, maybe a half marathon doesn't seem like, you know, something that significant, but in terms of everybody in the world, even just completing a half marathon is still a very rare accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll touch on the, the psychological benefits first, just because I feel like that's part of the reason we all run, right. Is try and maintain who needs, our who needs therapy when we, you can just run for miles and miles, but <laughs> just hit those feet on some pavement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good form of meditation, right? Where you're out there with your thoughts and there's not a lot else going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need that in our busy, hectic lives where there's screens two inches from our face for the majority of our day and just a constant stream of information. Just really Mm -hmm. good to decompress and potentially get out in nature and just have that that outlet to do something healthy for yourself like that. I remember a time at the beginning of undergrad where I was really struggling with anxiety and Part of that was imposter syndrome around the challenges of college. And part of that Mm -hmm. was just chemicals in my brain, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But I had an indoor triathlon coming up and it was the first triathlon I was ever going to do outside of one outdoor that was just like easy and and chill. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, man, I haven't been training like, I haven't been able to get in good nutrition because I'm too anxious to eat good meals or get in enough calories. And like, I just can't do this. And I took a step back and I said like, well, what if I try, you know, I'll, I'll put in baby steps when I can and you get to practice when you can. And that builds up that community aspect and then you do it. Mm -hmm. And just, going through that process and then that sensation of I have overcome this fear or this obstacle I didn't think was possible. It, it does build you up and it makes you feel more resilient and capable going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like to tell uh, people one, one of the just kind of beautiful things about getting into running is until you're getting to maybe a more elite or like really competitive level, really all you have to do is just consistently get in the miles and you'll progress. Like it's, it's just literally as simple as that, uh, up till a certain point. But I would say that point is pretty far along. I mean, I, I, de- I definitely did some speed work, tried to mix into some speed work, um, when training for my first marathon, but mostly it was just for running four days a week with a certain split. And as long as you do that next thing, literally just next thing, you know, you're running a marathon. And so I, I like to try to hopefully like entice people with uh, that fact that, you know, it's it, just, just getting into it and getting to that, you know, say level, you're not going to be winning the race, but still accomplishing something very rare. Uh, and it, it is just as simple as just getting out and getting out and running. Not, not a whole lot of thought really has to go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be the beauty behind running too. Just put your shoes on and get out the door. Mm-hmm. Right. Not a lot of planning. Just, just make been, it happen. Been there. Sometimes, 
we have busy, busy lives that can get in the way of that. And sometimes coaching can be a nice way to, to build that accountability up. And sometimes a friend group to try and help keep you accountable can be beneficial. Like it sounds like you have with your running club. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we were kind of talking about the health benefits, right? So yeah, digging for that. Me, one of the biggest things is our, our heart and lungs, right? So one of the ways that we measure our aerobic capacity with running is a VO2 max test. Mm-hmm. So pretty much telling us how well we utilize oxygen and at what point we stop utilizing oxygen and then have to go to utilizing other sources um, for energy. Mm-hmm. But by running and by challenging ourselves consistently and doing those hard aerobic efforts, we build up that VO2 max. Um, and it's been shown that a higher VO2 max is going to reduce your risk for all-cause mortality. Mm-hmm. So you're literally harder to kill if you're out there doing some aerobic work. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and it, it also just you know, it feels good too when you're maybe you're, you're in a, a normal scenario that also requires some physical activity and you realize that the people around you are struggling. You're like, Oh, I feel all right. Another just, yeah. Kind of confidence booster re- reinforces the effort and time you've put in up to that point. And I'm always, I'm always fascinated kind of by heart rates as well. Cause having been doing endurance sports for, over 10 years now you know definitely have a a different heart rate than than most people and you know i'll go out running and it can be difficult at times for me to even get it above say 170 but my friend that i'm dragging out that's just getting back into running you know if he's pushing hard he's up in the the 190s without you know really having to try with the that's you know it's not his goal and he's just naturally can get his heart rate up to that but yeah yeah and we we all have slightly different maximal heart rates and it it Mm -hmm. probably varies the the super easy formula is going to utilize your age and Mm -hmm. say okay we're we're subtracting a certain number and then using a formula using our age to try and deduce what our max heart rate is um, you probably are going to increase that max heart rate a little bit, depending on how hard abouts you're doing. But then mm-hmm. kind of another thing you touched on was that resting heart rate, right? Our heart is literally a muscle that can be trained and aerobic exercise is a great way to do it. So the better trained our heart is, the more efficient it is at sending out blood to the rest of our body mm-hmm. per beat. So then we have to do less contractions of that heart to get the needed blood and oxygen to our body per minute. So that's where you're, you're feeling like that heart rate's getting lower. I remember having a classmate in PT school who she was a collegiate runner and she, her resting heart rate was like 38. Mm-hmm. And that always amazed me because it's so darn low, but she yeah. is healthy as can be. Yeah. I've heard a, a few people say that like when they're sleeping, it'll even dip out, dip down into the twenties. And I, I don't know if I made this story up in my head, but I swear somebody told me that while they were sleeping, their like Apple watch, like woke them up and was asking if they needed medical attention because their heart rate got so low. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. But yeah. Who knows? The Apple Watch is like, who knows how accurate of a heart rate monitor it really is, but True. it's yeah. what a lot of people use, and it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always... I'm always looking down at my, my, my Garmin's pretty accurate when I'm doing an activity. That's, it's, that's a, always a good way, just a good baseline way to judge, you know, whether your perceived effort or how hard you're, how hard you're pushing yourself. I like to think if I'm, if I look down and it's not high enough, then I kind of like, okay, buckle up, buddy. Come on. You can do better. I think heart rate can be a, a good baseline way to take a look at that. And then if you don't have access to heart rate monitoring, you can also just use rating of perceived exertion, which is mm-hmm. kind of similar to that pain scale. You throw it on a one out of 10 and say, how hard am I going here? Yeah. And, and that can know, definitely change, change day to day. You know, the other thing I'd, a lot I'd of like time. people yeah, getting into running to know is, you know, you're going to have, some rough days you're gonna have some good days i could be peak shape and go out and just feel bogged down for a five mile run even though that's like nothing to me when i'm peak iron man training or something yeah yeah and that's where you know our heart rate only tells part of the tale so using that rating of perceived exertion might be more beneficial one day and if you have a day where you're feeling awesome and you're like i could push harder than this Mm-hmm. maybe maybe that is time to to stop looking at the or to start looking at the heart rate mm-hmm. yeah yeah a lot of a lot of factors to go into it ah well it's yeah it's been fun chatting about you know just our our past adventures and stuff and i know looking forward into the future for you you've been putting together a a program specifically focused like i said in the intro on helping injured runners, people that, you know, really want to get back into the game or maybe fix themselves up at least enough to go break some new PRs. So I figured I'd give you some time now that people can tell you're obviously, I would say you're obviously a subject matter expert. You've got not only the, the schooling and medical training, but you're also somebody that lives the running lifestyle. Um, So yeah, talk about a bit about what you're, what you're trying to do to help runners out there yeah yeah i mean just just baseline kind of like you said my mission is to try and help as many runners as i can just run consistently and enjoy it just keep that passion rolling because the longer we can keep running and staying active and healthy the better our our longevity is the longer we live the longer we can live with high levels of function in our life right so that's kind of just baseline. Just I want a healthier society so that we can all be happy, healthy individuals and live good long lives. And then from a more personal, like business side of things, I'm starting this project to work with runners who are trying to overcome pain or injury so mm-hmm. they can get back to racing. Um, and I'm happy to work with really any runner, but the, the program that I've got rolling is kind of got a couple pillars to it. So that first pillar would be we, we chat and we have a consultation call, which is looking a little bit like an evaluation, asking some questions, 
getting an idea for what they're coming in with, how long they've been dealing with it. And then if they are dealing with pain, adding some gait analysis in with that. So they'd be sending videos in to me. We'd be slowing it down, analyzing those different joint angles that we were talking about earlier and seeing if there's anything that lines up with the type of injury they're dealing with. From there, we can get into that second pillar of the project, which is providing programming for those runners. So run specific programming to help them build back into getting towards their goals. And then that rehabilitative loading towards that injured area initially to try and put that fire out and build that area up. And then a more general strength programming to kind of fit the bill for providing the capacity to handle the tasks they're aiming to do. And then lastly, coaching and accountability. So we do weekly calls with folks, getting them in, talking kind of like we are right now, having a conversation about how things are going. Mm -hmm. We chat about how they feel about the workouts. We chat about how the rest of life has been going and try and make modifications to the plan as needed. So that it's not all just cookie cutter. Here's the program. Talk to you never. It's a lot more fluid than that, which I find really helpful for a lot of runners because different weeks look different, right? Mm -hmm. Some weeks we've got a really big project at work or we've just had a newborn and they're crying all night long and we probably need to train a little bit less or change a few things up. And some weeks we're feeling fantastic and we're ready to push a little bit harder than maybe our program was before saying we should. And that's just where that little ebb and flow can can help them get to their goals with less hiccups. So kind of culminating that all together into a service for runners so that they can get back to doing what they love to do. Yeah. And clarify, we're doing it all digitally. So you can do it from the comfort of your own home. If you have access to a treadmill, mm -hmm. we'll do a gate analysis that way. If you have access to like a track, we can do some gate analysis that way. Um, and then programming is all app based. So it just goes to an app on their phone. And that's where we get a lot of the messaging as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice with technology. You know, you can really, um, as, as a coach, really stay in con like constant contact. That's as much as needed to really get those results and, keep the person motivated and yeah i feel yeah. i feel like there's definitely like two kind of categories of people that really come to my mind that this could probably help and the first one would be uh the type of people that i think you kind of mentioned earlier of just stuck in that cycle of they get hurt they don't correctly recover and then they try to get back into it and just get hurt again so if, if there's somebody out there that's like thinking back and like, oh, yeah, I've been kind of stuck in that cycle for a while, you know, here's a, you know, surefire way to break out of that and, you know, understand even moving forward after, say, the program, how to continue on and keep running with longevity. And then uh, the second type of person, I think, is maybe that one that's they get injured and then they just get scared and, you know, not really sure what to do next or they're they're worried about maybe permanently ruining their running career 
this would also be a great option for them. Then they can confidently have a path that's probably also the most efficient path to returning to running in a healthy manner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a big piece of why I'm trying to do this is just in the two years that I've been working, I see a lot of runners in clinics that I've worked at, as well as just out in the world that I've chatted with, mm -hmm. not be managed quite the way that I, I feel like they should be and not in a way that I think serves them well or a way that our current research supports. Mm -hmm. And it ends up they don't get back to doing what they want to do. So, or it takes a long time for them to get back to what they want to do, or they end up getting another injury. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to, to prevent all those things and get them running as, as well as we can and avoid future injury as well as we can. So just trying to connect and create those relationships and help the community of runners as, as well as I know how. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm fully here to support that venture. Obviously, I'm a massive advocate for running and kind of that's the whole little subtone of this whole podcast. And I'm hoping to have a lot more runners uh, on as guests here. So really appreciate you coming on and helping me get all the tech stuff figured out. I've got a little some new tools I've been trying out with this and I think I think it's all going well. So I appreciate that. And you know, a little red carpet time with the, all of that being said, how, how can people get into contact with you if they've maybe resonated with some of these issues and are looking to up their game or get back into the game running? Absolutely, man. Yeah. So people can find me. My kind of key hub is on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Zach Kaufman dot DPT. Um, just first name, last name dot DPT, Dr. Physical Therapy. Um, awesome. Putting a lot of cool content out and it's, it's ever growing. So hopefully something relates to just about everyone who's in that running field and shoot me a DM and we can chat about setting up a call and talking about getting you towards your goals. Awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely suggest people check that out and I'll be sure to yeah put your Instagram handle into the description of this episode. Uh, so yeah, man, appreciate you coming on. Um, excited for the, the future and to follow along. Hopefully, you know, it's really can really impact some people, a lot of people's lives and build up, build up that community. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on Austin. It's been, it's been a huge pleasure chatting always, of course. That wraps it up for today's episode. I hope everybody enjoyed our discussion. I think there were lots of great points we brought up between training, taking care of yourself physically, and what to do if you do have an injury. If you are an endurance athlete and potentially struggling with an injury, definitely hit up Zach. I have no doubt he'll be able to get you back on the road or trail and chasing down that new PR. And I'll definitely be having him back on sometime later this year. I'd love to chat with him again and dig deeper into probably more the mental side of endurance sports rather than just the physical kind of PT side. So look forward to that. If you want to follow along more on my endurance endeavors, check me out on Instagram at the endurance beast. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen and look forward to sharing the next episode.